Hallelujah. Well, let's just dive in today, and we got a lot to, to cover today. We're in Isaiah, starting in chapter 54. That's an amen from the kids' section, from the kids' um, seating. We're in Isaiah 54 today, and we're going to make our way a little bit into 55 and just a whole bunch of other places around the word. We started off this year with the theme of make spakes for Jesus. And one of the scriptures we read was Isaiah 54 and verse number 2. And we'll get there in, in just a moment. But today we're going to continue on this sort of theme. And maybe once a month we'll continue to highlight this theme of making space for Jesus this year. And in Isaiah, it's both a practical it's both a practical book with instructions, obviously, for the people of Israel, but also one full of prophetic words for the church today, one that has many different quotes and many different truths that are echoed in the New Testament. And starting in Isaiah 54, verses 1 through 4 today... <clears throat> Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Verse 3. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced. For you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Let's pause there. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would just take your word and speak to each of our hearts today, Lord, that you would just bring revelation and conviction and encouragement, Lord, and strength, whatever is needed today, Lord. And Jesus, we just place this time into your hands. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, this passage here in Isaiah, and again, we started at the beginning of the year with Isaiah 54, verse 2, but I want to back up to verse 1 and just kind of see how this context sort of encapsulizes itself. And, and as we go into 55, you may or may not be aware, but, but a lot of some of the things that we quote and some of the sort of household quotes from the Word of God that are, that are kind of in the, the New Testament as well is filled in Isaiah chapter 54 and Isaiah chapter 55. And the whole context of starting with chapter 54 is sing, O barren one, sing, O barren one, I mean, he opens up the chapter 54 with this seeming oxymoron, just this idea of a barren 
woman, a barren person for that matter, singing with joy. It's not something that would be encouraged necessarily in the natural for the barren one to actually have reason to sing. But nonetheless, that's the instructions that kind of burst forth into Isaiah, from Isaiah chapter 54. We begin to get the idea of from Romans chapter 4 verse 17, this whole, this whole truth and concept of speaking those things which are not as though one day they will be. And we begin to see that here in the, the truth in its principal form in Isaiah 54. But as we dive over into the New Testament in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, it says, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist calls into existence the things that do not exist. And of course, that do not exist in the natural at this given moment in time, but already exist in the supernatural. That do not exist in our timeline or in our circumstances, but already exist in God's timeline, in the promises, in the plan that he's spoken over our lives. Isn't this what our whole Christian journey, what the basis of all of our faith is, believing for things that we do not see today to come to pass in our lives? Calling things into existence, understanding that our Lord is one who gives life to dead things. Gives life to dead things. It's, it's the whole idea that, that if something is either dying or is dead, that in the natural hope is gone. But with Christ, he is the one who gives life and calls into existence both dead things and things which are not. When all seems to be lost. Has anybody ever been in that place before? When all seems to be lost. And you're without any more options. Maybe, maybe there's somebody here today that you feel like all your options have run out. This is just the point where the Lord kind of brings us, it seems like in my little experience. He brings us to this place where we exhaust all our options. We exhaust all of our abilities and, and strength and, and positivity. Sometimes we think we can just be positive long enough to get our way through it. But when we exhaust all those options, this is, it's in this place where the Lord talks about making space for expansion in our lives. Now I want us to pause and I want us to look at the comparison between verse 1 and verse 2 and 54 because we, we know and many of us are aware of the enlarge your tent, enlarge the place of your tent in your dwellings, lengthen your, your cords, strengthen your stakes. But I want you to 
make this connection today. That enlargement, he's speaking it to a people who have come to the place where they are at a loss and without any more options. He's speaking it to the barren woman, to the barren person, the one who has their struggles. Maybe it's a child in our life that for whatever reason, we just can't seem to break through to that child. He says, enlarge the place of your tent and stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare, lengthen your cords. In other words, make more space for, for, in this case, for children to come in. Make space for family. Make space for life to be given birth into your life and into your situation. You see, I, re I remember and can never forget the whole idea of enlarging a tent and strengthening the stakes. As many of you maybe heard me share before, but in our and when we were in the Philippines, both my wife and I, we were in charge of a tent crusade ministry. We called it the tent of praise. Yes, it's corny, but welcome to Filipino culture. The tent of praise. Our church was called Cathedral of Praise. And the tent was called the tent of praise. And we brought that tent all around the city. And it was awesome. We would bring that tent into a neighborhood, and whether the lot that we found, whether it was grass or rocks or mud or whatever it might have been, we're like, we're setting up this tent in this place, and we're going to preach. And we did that for years. But here's the point. Every time we set up the tent, especially during rainy season, everybody say rainy season. Six months, Philippines has dry season, it has rainy season. And common sense might say, well, why don't you just pause the tent crusades during rainy season? Well, that's not what Pastor Summerall does. We have tent crusades in rainy season. And so what would happen is we'd have this tent all set up, and we would set this tent up by the end of this, this period of tent crusades, we would set that tent up for three weeks in one location. And we're talking about a, a pretty sizable tent that can seat around 300 or so people in there. Well, as a tent stays set up for a while, as you would know, those, those cords and those stakes have a tendency to start to loosen themselves. And so you'd have to periodically go out and you'd have to strengthen the stakes. But that's not the point. The real point is that when a typhoon was coming, Everybody say it, when a typhoon was coming. A typhoon is our hurricane. When a typhoon was coming, you know, common sense would say, go take the tent down. But that's not what we do. We're going to leave the tent up because on the day after the typhoon, we were going to be preaching again. <laughs> but there's something that had to happen. When the storm was coming, we had to go on out there, whether it was morning or night or in the middle of the night, we had to go. I had to call my, my helper, Mark, and we had to maybe call Ryan, too, if it was really bad. And if it was really bad, maybe we had to beg a few other guys to come with us. And we had to get out there with our sledgehammers, and we had to just go to town on these stakes. And we had to make sure that these stakes were so far into the ground as much as we could, and that each cord was strengthened. Why? Because a storm was on the way. 
You see, nobody's concerned about, you're not concerned about your little camping tent when you go camping. How many people like to go camping? Raise your hand. We got about a few campers in the house. You're not concerned about your camping tent when the tent, when the, it's, it's, you know, clear blue skies and there's no wind around and you're just kind of enjoying the day. But hey, when the wind starts to blow, when the storm starts to come, all of a sudden you got to make a decision. Are we packing up? Or are we strengthening our cords? Christina says we're packing up. <laughs> there she goes. Second, second illustration. She just bombed today for me. <gasps> yes, we did stay. We did try the whole stay through the storm. And that's when we got our education that, that tents don't last three years, especially not academy tents. I'm sorry. This bad promotion for academy. And, um, and when it rained outside, all of our kids got wet inside. And, but we had just bought a new tent like a week before, so we were dry. And so me, her, and the baby, which whoever the baby was at that time, I think Seth. So anyway, moving right along, I'm going to have to prepare myself for any more. I'm, I'm going to look your direction. I'm messing with her. But we have to strengthen our stakes, especially in times of storm, especially in times of enlargement. We have to spare not. And look at these three instructions that Isaiah chapter 52 verse 2 gives us. It says, do not spare. So we're not sparing or holding back energy. We're not holding back effort. We're not holding back from just pouring out everything we can. We're just essentially going for it. Number one, do not spare. Number two, lengthen your cords, if you're going to make something bigger in regards to a tent, well, you got to give it more slack first to be able to enlarge it. And so you have to lengthen your cords. You have to proactively make more space. Look at the person next to you and say, proactively make more space. It doesn't just sort of, life will just sort of run you if you let it. It'll just run you. But if you're going to be a person who's going to make space, and we're talking specifically about space for Christ, space in your, your walk with the Lord, space for your family to engage in these things as a unit, you have to intentionally lengthen those cords. And then lastly, it says to strengthen those stakes. You have to take those stakes and you have to go deeper. Amen. You've got to go deeper. Sometimes we get so comfortable with where we are. And, and listen, I understand that where you are is so much better than where you were. Can anybody say amen to that? It's so much better. Whether Whatever it is that you came out of before your relationship with Christ, it doesn't matter. Where you are today in your walk with Christ is so much better than where you were before. But that's not where it stops. That's not where it ends. We have to be a people who continually go deeper, strengthening our stakes, strengthening the foundations in our life, letting our roots go deeper into the soil of our walk in relationship with Christ. You have to come as Isaiah, as we transition into Isaiah Chapter 55, you have to come 
as you are and with what you have. You come just as you are and you come exactly with what you have. In all of chapter 54, just highlighting those first few verses, talking about the barren should begin to sing, should, should just begin to in faith calling those things which are not, believing those things which we do not see, those things that we hope for, those things that we dream for, believing that in Christ that God can bring them to pass. And in Isaiah 55, he starts off that chapter with this great big call. Oh! 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 Who thirst? It kind of, it rings familiar, right, with our, our New Testament John, which we're familiar with more when Jesus stands up on that day of the great day of the feast. And Jesus stood up on that great day and he says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. Well, Jesus was, was pulling as the man of God that he was and, and being taught up in the scriptures. He's, he's pulling from Isaiah 55. Oh, come to me. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. Well, when Jesus stood up and he said, oh, is anyone thirsty? He doesn't have to say, come to the waters. All he has to say is, come to me, because Christ is the waters. So come, Isaiah 55, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? And why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. The prophet calling all who are thirsty. The prophet calling all who are hungry. You see, our walk with Christ doesn't just stop with just at that moment that, that we come to him, but there's this, there's this perpetual call to remain thirsty and hungry for the things of God. It's a perpetual call. doesn't matter where any of us are at in this journey today. It's a perpetual call, just like in... Revelation in 22, in verse 1, where it says, Then the angel showed me a river of water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. The river flowing from the throne of God never ceases. It's the fountainhead that never runs dry. This water of life that just continues to, to flow that obviously Jesus was referring to on that day in the Gospel of John when he was referring to the Holy Spirit being given and, and welling up or bubbling up from within us as a perpetual well within our spirits. We have to come to the waters 
We need to know the importance of being thirsty for Jesus. The importance of being hungry for Jesus. In Isaiah 25, 6 through 8, it says, In in this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces, a feast of wines on the leaves, of fat things, full of marrow, of well-refined wines on the leaves. You see, he's talking about how we come to the Lord and we feast upon Christ. Have you learned how to feast and drink from this fountain and from this buffet table yet? This is something that we we need to know is available to us. It's available to the people of God. Blessed in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are you when you hunger and you thirst for more of Jesus. You see, we all need, there is nobody in this room who is not in just as much need as the other for more of Christ. There's no no elevating one higher or lower than another because here we all are, all in need of this hungering after Christ. This is the, the blessed aspect of it is that the hunger for him and the thirst for him is actually what keeps us. It's what keeps us from becoming dry and what keeps us from becoming emasa. Give me, help me out. Emansa. Help me. Nurse in the house. Emenciated. There we are. Ooh, I almost said it wrong. Whew. That was a close one. Spiritually starving. Spiritually thirsting to death. There's a story, there's an Old Testament story that, that are, has huge spiritual significance to this whole idea of hungering and thirst. And I will say this, don't despise what Christ has provided for you. Think about the story of Esau and Jacob. I'm going to read the story, just a short piece of it, not the entirety of it, but in Genesis 25 Look at this, and maybe, maybe we'll gleam something of, of a slight different light in this passage today in Genesis 25, 27 through 34, when it says, These boys grew up, both Jacob and Esau. Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. Now Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. <laughs> right, that must have been a problem. It was, obviously, right? When Jacob had cooked stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there. (laughs) This translation, that stew that you cooked up. For I am famished. Therefore, he was called Edom. But Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. 
And Esau said, Behold, I'm about to die. So what use then is this birthright to me if I'm dead? And Jacob said, Well, you better swear it. I want that birthright. And so Esau swore it to him, and he sold his birthright to Jacob. He sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob bought the birthright for the cost of a little slither of bread and a little bowl of lentil stew. And he ate and drank and he rose and he went his way. And thus Esau despised his birthright. What a crazy story. What a crazy story of how, and of course it's a picture. It's a picture today. Yeah, Jacob was, Jacob was the one to be as it was told the, the older shall serve the younger. But how it all played out and how Esau came in famished from the field, I would say first of all that he was spiritually famished. He was spiritually spent. When you no longer look at your birthright as any value, this birthright in this case of, of the most spiritual significance as Jacob then went on to become Israel. And obviously, we know the story from there. But you're spiritually famished when you are willingly releasing something of so much value that was yours. How many people in the church, in the house of the Lord, when, when Isaiah is calling out and he's saying, come, without money, come and buy, what he's really saying is that, that even though you're bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt and maybe even materially bankrupt, he says, what I'm selling does not cost that kind of money. You see, we're all spending what we have on something. We're all spending. When what the problem is for many of us is that we're spending trying to fill a spiritual bankruptcy. Esau left that day after eating a bowl of lentils and a bowl of bread, probably not feeling like too much has changed. But in that state of the spirit, such as what Esau was in, are we freely giving away and despising which is otherwise ours? We labor for that which is not bread. We work hard. We try to make ourselves worthy. At the end, to always learn that it was always grace. 
We try to buy satisfaction. The paradox that's taken place where he says buy but without money. Everybody's spending and everybody's buying but the price is different. We can't buy the satisfaction that comes from salvation and the satisfaction that comes from coming and drinking and eating of Christ. Even in Matthew, when we look at the story of the bridegroom, those who were not willing to spend until the last minute. And the last minute in this passage in Matthew 25, 10, passed them by. It says, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. You see, what it boiled down to is that they were not willing to spend in advance to be ready. Buy without money. The spending that I'm referring to is not, is not a checkbook or a, or a swiping of a card or I'm a pushing of a button, whatever it might be, type of spending. The type of spending to prepare ourselves is this type of spending that it, it's our time, it's our hunger, it's, our, it's our, the priorities of what God has given our, our health, our life, our time on this earth. Our time on this earth, spending our days and our time and our energy on this earth, feasting on Christ. I know that, I know that there's different levels of feasting and, and maybe we feast a little more one week than we do the next. But, but you are hearing the importance of not laboring. After things that will not satisfy, but instead, come, all you who thirst. Come, all you who are hungry, and eat the bread that will satisfy. You see, we have to learn what satisfies the soul. We have to learn how to be satisfied in our spirit. Amazon, as hard as we try, cannot satisfy that hole in your spirit, in your soul. And I know, and nobody can beat the number of trucks that I have coming down my driveway. I know Amazon. I can hear an Amazon. Oh, she's like, oh, oh we, we, can, we can do an Amazon competition. You feel a little down. I'm telling you, you know what I'm talking about. You feel a little down. You pick up that phone and you go to Amazon. What can I, what can I buy today to make me feel a little better? What's going to help me? What's going to help me a little bit more today? Get my mind off of the things that are really bothering me. Try to distract me with something else. Try to buy my way out of the hole that I'm in with my kid. Try to, you know, help my spouse, just me and, you know, that person, just kind of whatever. I mean, you know, it's not just Amazon, but you get the point. Spending and, and laboring after all these things in life, which at the end of the day, 
They just don't satisfy. Learning what satisfies the soul. Learning by experience. Learning by trying out something new. Not just, not just in the head, but in the heart. Not just in, in word, but in action. Trying something new in our life. Isaiah 55.3 says, incline your ear. Understand, he's telling us these things because obviously we need to hear them. I say to each one of us today, open your ears. Be one who can begin to hear once again. And he says, incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. Learning what satisfies the soul. And I will make an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. Habakkuk in chapter 2 verse 13 says, Behold, it is not of the Lord of hosts that the people's labor just to feed the fire. And nations weary themselves in vain. Let us not live in a way that is just feeding the fire. Just more chaff. More chaff for the flame. More vanity to keep the fire stoked. Being deceived by the bread of deceit. Proverbs 20:17 says, "Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be filled with gravel." Instead, the contrast and where we'll end and prepare for the Lord's table today is the contrast is coming hungering in thirsting for the bread of life, for the waters that continually flow forth from the throne of God. Where in John chapter 6 and 32 it says, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. There is this everlasting covenant that the Lord has made with his people. He tells the barren one to sing. He tells the one who cannot see, cannot see the promises of God coming to pass. He says, call those promises that I have spoken. Prepare yourselves and call them into your life. Prepare yourself by expanding. Compare yourself. Prepare yourself by strengthening yourself. Prepare yourself by partaking of this eating and of this drinking of the things of God. See, people of God, this is just, it's a perpetual pressing in into the perpetual fountain. We continue to push forth eating and drinking of the table 
of the Lord. With that, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet today, and we're going to have a time to partake of the Lord's table today. If we could go ahead and bring that forward and worship team, if you can go ahead and come. And as you stand, just take a moment, just close your eyes. Hallelujah. Just close your eyes for a moment. Glory to your name. Glory to your name, Jesus. You know, the question that we just always just need to be asking ourselves is, you know, our, the spiritual deposits that we're placing and making into our walk with Christ. Because we don't want to find ourselves spiritually bankrupt, giving away Selling something that is so valuable, not even, maybe it's simply just not partaking or believing God for, or believing for your life or somebody in your life, being so spiritually bankrupt that we're not even believing God for his promises any longer. We're just sort of cruise controlling it through. And so we need to continue the whole eating, hungering, thirsting, and drinking is the whole idea of just continually making deposits into our walk with Christ, continually making deposits to be, to be prosperous spiritually, spiritually prosperous, rich, in the things of God, rich in the Word of God, rich in, in joy, rich in peace, in all seasons of life, whatever storm, whatever time of peace and prosperity, we find ourselves to be rich in the things of God. And so, Lord, we just ask you today, each one of you, just take, take a moment before we partake of the Lord's table. Take a moment and just have an honest assessment of yourself, an honest assessment of your walk with Jesus, an honest assessment of the deposits that you're making into this walk with Christ. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. We ask you to speak to us, Lord. We ask you to continue to lead us and guide us in the way of the Lord. Oh, we ask you to let a hunger and a thirst increase in our lives. In the name of Jesus. You know, if you're here in this house and you have to, you just have to receive forgiveness. You have to ask Jesus to forgive you. You have to ask Jesus to forgive you. Because you realize that where you are right now might be a bit bankrupt. All you have to do is just come to the Lord. You need to come to Jesus. Every one of us, we need to 
have a coming to Jesus. And sometimes we need to come to Jesus again and again, again and again. Receiving forgiveness, receiving the deposit of his love, the reassurance, the reassurance of his love, the reassurance of his salvation. Just come to Jesus. And if you need forgiveness today for whatever you're battling with, whatever has got you to this place today, ask the Lord to forgive you and ask the Lord to set you free in the name of Jesus. Right now, just do that. Say, dear Jesus, I need your forgiveness today, Lord. I ask you to forgive me, Jesus, of my sin. Forgive me, Lord. And I ask you to pour out your spirit fresh in my heart, in my life, in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We need your touch in this place, Lord. We need you to fill us, Lord, with your power, with your courage, with the resolve, the determination just to continue to come and drink and eat at your table, Lord. Lord, may we be a, a hungry church. May we be a thirsty church, Lord. A hungry, thirsty church for the presence of God. For the reality of Christ in our midst, walking with us, confirming His Word with signs and wonders, with nearness and presence. We need you, Jesus. Increase our hunger, Lord, we ask you. As we intentionally enlarge our cords, strengthening our stakes, Lord. The place where we've been, we intentionally make space today, Lord. Hallelujah. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Go ahead and take your time and go ahead and come and receive the bread in the juice. We have some at each location for your convenience.
we just prepare our hearts in your presence, Lord. We just prepare ourselves. Hallelujah. Lord, we turn our gaze towards eternity, Jesus. We turn our gaze to your return for your people, your return for the church. Lord, we prepare ourselves. We come and we buy, Lord. We buy in, Lord, without, without money, without having anything that can, that's worthy of purchasing, Lord. We buy in. We buy in all. We fully buy in, Lord. That which satisfies our soul, Lord. Your presence and your goodness, your promises and your plan. Lord, your forgiveness and your salvation. We buy in, Lord. We buy in fully, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you today as we celebrate your broken body, as we celebrate your shed blood. Lord, we give you glory today. Lord, that by your brokenness, Lord, by your stripes, Lord, that we can believe for healing, Lord, that we can receive healing, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we lift up those among us that are sick in the name of Jesus. Just call out, call out some people's names, just yourself and your family. Just call out somebody's name that you're praying for today. We just call out our family, Lord, the family of God in this house. We call out our families who are sick. They're sick in their body, Lord. And God, we just believe you for the touch of God. Lord, for the touch of heaven in their life, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we, we call out those who need salvation, those who need to put their trust in your shed blood, Jesus, for the forgiveness of their sins. Just call out quietly, call out a family member that you're believing for, for salvation, that they would come into the body of Christ, that they would come into the family of God. Just call out their name before the Lord. The Lord can hear you. Lord, we just believe for salvation, Lord. Lord, as we just call these names, speak these names, think these names before you, Lord. Lord, we believe you for our family who need salvation. They need their sins forgiven. They need to be washed clean by the blood of Jesus, Lord. We just call upon your name and your grace and your mercy, Lord, just to reach them, to reach them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. But God, we thank you, Lord, that we have been washed. We've been washed, washed by your blood, Jesus. We're so thankful we've been washed by your blood, Jesus. And God, we give you all the glory today. We give you all the honor today as we honor you and as we say, come, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and take of the bread and of the cup at the same time, please.